0: this is what I did. This is what I did. This is what I did. <laughs> Not for me. This is what he did. This is what he did. This is what he did. Me, I was messing everything up. Uh, Kasip, before we go any further, uh, come here for a sec, would you? Now, Kasip was praying earlier and he mentioned something about, um, I didn't fully hear it. So I'd like to you to have to kind of just explain what you saw. With there's a mic there, just the vision that you saw, because I've had a couple of responses. One person felt that it might have to do with digging up the fallow ground. Other, someone said that it might have to do with broken relationships being restored. But I just want to hear clearly what is it that you saw as you were praying.
1: Okay, uh, so I'm, I don't know the name of the uh, tool. It's a long, uh, the rod kind okay. of thing, and yeah. when he put it in the ground. Ah. And it 's a cracks in the ground, ah. so I see the cracks and the tool on the ground okay, so I feel something that maybe a, a uh, some kind of uh, accident, then something is uh, hurting it's a it's, it's kind of thing so okay maybe it 's a loss their jobs or maybe a loss their something so i i
0: so some kind so, of a tool. I'm just trying to clarify. So they went into the ground, yeah, and it caused yeah. the ground to crack. Yes. Okay. So, what was around it? What did you see?
1: Uh, it's a um, it's a kind of road in the buildings. Something is. I see the road. Okay. Yeah, so so you see like there.
0: like a like a road outside on the ground. Yes. That kind of thing. Was it made of dirt or was it made of like?
1: No. It's it's a it's a it's a, uh, uh, it's a very uh, kind of. Uh, Clean uh, surface. Right. It's no dirty, no anything, just like I think a building work going on there. No. It's a very uh, clean. There's
0: no building work going on around it?
1: No, no building work going around there. Okay, right. Uh, It's a very, very clean uh, surface and uh, on the surface in the tool and the cracks.
0: Okay. What color was the tool? Uh, Black. Black. And the person who put it in the ground?
1: Uh, I didn't see any just, You just saw a
0: hand or just went into yes, the ground?
1: Yes, I see, not even hand, I just see the rod ah. and the cracks.
0: Okay, let's pray. Jesus. Father, we bow before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I, I thank you that, Lord, you, by your spirit, is the one who speaks. And Lord, you've said in your word that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. that you'll give it without finding fault and so Father I ask for wisdom I ask that you would grant us understanding that we may know the things that you have freely given to us Holy Spirit will you just come even now and make clear the vision make clear what you're saying so that Lord we may be those that are responsive to you Father, we will wait on you with hearts expectant. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when things like that happen, I just want to use this as a teaching moment for a second. Because the Holy Spirit moves, that doesn't mean you can't check and see what he said. You're not going to offend the Holy Spirit by asking. You're not going to offend the Holy Spirit by testing what he said. Does that make clear? The Holy Spirit's not going to go, oh, how dare you ask me again. He's not functioning that way. The goal is that we understand. Even when he speaks in mysteries and he speaks in visions or dreams, whatever it may be, the goal of communication. Now, there are secret and hidden things. And God wants to make those clear to the people who are hearing. I'm going to say that again. We often think that Things are meant for everyone's ears. But even when Jesus preached the gospel, he would use parables. Do you know why he used parables? (coughs) That's all right, talk to me. There's a smaller group. We're okay. Talk to me. Hmm? No. Sorry, I'm not no. This is where people get confused. God speaks in mysteries so that people don't understand. I'll show you from the scriptures. This is, maybe some of you, this is where, even when it comes to spiritual things, we think that that it's intended for everyone. And that's not actually the way things work spiritually. So go to just, this isn't quite what I intended, but we'll start here and we'll see where we go. So the parable of the sower, you know the parable of the sower from Mark four, yeah? That's a well-known parable, everyone, kind of, a lot of people know it. I'll start reading from there. It says, and again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by, and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it scorched, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop." But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, okay, there's, this is the beginning of the clue. He said to them, what? He who has what? Yes. To hear, let him All right, so how many of you have ears? Okay, so you all have ears, but how many of you can hear? Now, is he talking, is he talking in a physical hearing sense? No, he isn't. Uh, He's saying, let him who has ears to hear. The assumption is that it's not everybody has ears to hear. Let them hear. Then he goes on in verse 10, it says, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. Of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in, so that seeing they may see and what? No, no, hang on, no. Seeing they may see and what? It'll be clearer. What does it say? See, these aren't my words. I'm trying to. want to see some, Like I said, sometimes we deal with pop theology. And, and we, someone said it, and we're like, oh, that's it. But when you compare it to Scripture, actually, it's said in parables so that seeing, they will see it, but not perceive. What it means to perceive. It means to understand. So they'll see it, but yet not what? That's why it's given in parables. And hearing, they may hear and what? Understand? It says not understand, that's the purpose of them. See, I've heard people say too, well, parables were given just to make things easier to understand. Actually, Jesus said it's the opposite. This may be strange teaching to you, I don't know. I'm just reading the text, these aren't my words. He said, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Then he goes through the explanation from verses 13 down to 20. So there are mysteries that God speaks that are intended for some to understand and others are left in the dark. That's what Jesus says. To him who has ears to hear. Not everybody has ears to hear. And when he speaks it, he says, those who have them, let them be opened in Jesus and let them be opened so that they can hear and perceive. He said, to you it's been given to understand the mysteries. It's not been given to everyone. He says it to those outside. Those are given in parables. Do you know why that is? One of the reasons that God does this is so that he deals with us in a framework called grace. Grace is from God. It's not determined by you. It's not how smart you are. It's not how studied you are. It's not how wise you are in your own eyes. It's God's sovereign working in people where he speaks and with the speaking grants that understanding can come. Not for everyone. <coughs> and This may be difficult for you. How many of you are believers this morning or this afternoon? Do you know you're a believer not because you chose, (laughs) but because he chose. See, your mind was so dark outside of Christ, you didn't have the capacity to understand spiritual things. Your mind was so dark And please hear me, I'm not just talking about those of us who maybe had had drug issues and street issues. The religious, the religious person, he's speaking in parables even to those that are religious and they, they know it's about them often, they say it, but they don't understand. Because it's a sovereign grace issue where God is speaking. Are we okay? I'm gonna touch on some things that might till up some soil here. Maybe I'm the one to go like that to the ground. (laughs) Because the fallow ground does need to get broken up. And some of these things where we think we have it all in place and God says, actually, you need to go deeper than that. So, so parables aren't given to understand it easier. It's given so that the understanding of it only comes from heaven. When Jesus questioned Peter and the disciples, "Who do men say that I am?" Matthew, I think that's Matthew sixteen. "Who do men say that I am?" And some said, "Well, you're." they, They said that some say you're John the Baptist. You're one of the prophets. Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, well, you're, you're the, the Christ, the son of the living God. What was Jesus' response to him when he makes that profound, profound confession? See, the demons knew who he was, but when they begin to speak, what did he do? He shut them up. Because revelation isn't supposed to come from a demonic source. Everyone goes quiet. See, I feel like I'm hitting things. Like, you know, one of those guys who plays like the xylophone, everything But like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> the, the, re- the reality of who Christ is isn't supposed to come from a demonic source. I've met people. I remember this one guy who went to this Bible study and, and I said, well, how'd you come to faith? And the guy said, well, I, was, I knew this warlock guy and he turned into a rat and he ran off. He said, at that point I knew God was real, so I became Christian. Really? So the revelation that he had was from a demonic source. You guys got real quiet then. (laughs) Demons know who Jesus is. Demon-possessed people can know who Jesus is without relationship. That girl when Paul was preaching and they said, She's, he's the, the, the girl in Philippi. And, and she goes, these are servants of the Most High God. And they're here to tell you the way of salvation. What she said was absolutely right, wasn't it? That's who they were. They're men of God. They're here to tell, preach the gospel. And, but the source wasn't from God. the revelation that needs to come to human beings it can't come from any other source but heaven itself jesus says that in when he deals with peter he says it he says it in in matthew 16 and verse Verses 14, 15, 16, 17, down through there. 14, he says, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, um, blessed, pardon me, blessed are you, Simon? Now that's a real interesting phrase that he uses there. Son of Jonah, that's what he says. Do you know what what Jonah, do you know what his name means? Dove. Put it together, saints. Simon, son of the Spirit, flesh and blood, has not revealed that to you. But who? My father. It's a heavenly revelation that comes to the heart individual that opens their eyes so that which was hidden becomes plain that which was dark becomes light that which that which no heart can perceive and understand becomes normalized in the eyes of the heart of an individual where the spirit is moved he reveals christ he's the only one that can It comes from heaven, not from men. See, I can preach. You can have a really good preacher. They can explain doctrine and preach the gospel, and people can sit there, none the wiser. Revival has happened, where people sit in the middle of God moving in power, miracles happening right before their eyes, and yet they can't see. because it's only a work of the Spirit. we do doing okay. See, see, when you recognize that it wasn't you who just opened your eyes. You didn't go and get your eyes open to understand spiritual things. It was God by His Spirit pulling back the curtain for your heart. Well, oh, that's, 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 that's not religion, is it? This is a heavenly kingdom made manifest to men. And the scripture speaks over and over about this. Let me, can we have some fun today? We got a little while, I'm all right. So what comes first? Being born again or faith? Come on, let's see, people say I believe the gospel. Okay, let's see what you believe. What comes first? Faith? So, so those of you who say faith comes first, raise your hand. Okay. Those of you who say being born again comes first, raise your hand. And you haven't raised yours, so which is it, Kashif? Come on now. I
1: was born again.
0: So what does Jesus say? Think he's a good authority? All right. So go to John chapter 3. I'm having fun. This is fun. <laughs> See, I, I, like, I like breaking down false ideas about the gospel. I love doing that and building people up in the truth. I really, I really do. I enjoy showing the absolute supremacy of Christ. Nicodemus, he's having a conversation with. Verse two, this is a man, um, the man came to Jesus by night and asked him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That's a profound statement. So he's recognizing where the authority comes, where the power comes, where the revelation comes. Jesus' answer to him, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is what? He cannot... Okay, so the first one he says in verse three is unless you are born again, he cannot what? So he's not talking about seeing with the eyes, is he? He's talking about seeing with the heart. How can you believe something you can't see with your heart? How can you do it? If you're spiritually blind, how can you see the kingdom? Then how can you enter it? So what happens first? So the Spirit has to do a work in your heart. The Lord help us with this. See, when you, when you get this stuff, I tell you the liberty and the freedom that comes is tremendous because it isn't about how much I believe. How strong I believe. It's in the one I believe. <laughs> See, the gospel is God's power unto salvation, not yours. Do you remember Peter, when Jesus is talking with Peter, he says to him, you're gonna betray me. In fact, he says, Satan has desired to sift you, he says to Peter. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. Jesus prays for Peter. What was stronger, Peter's faith or the gracious prayer that Jesus prayed? Lord, help us here. I, he prayed for Peter, he didn't pray for Judas. Salvation is of the Lord, it's not of man. We're born again not, because, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, not of, not of, not of, of, not of blood. We're born of God. Regeneration happens, and then we see, then we believe. Go on a bit further down. I think it's verses at verse five. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot what? Enter the kingdom. So what happens first? Put it in order. You need to be born of what? Water and, we'll get to that in a second. Then you, what, enter. Now see, I've heard people, and and I'm an ordained Baptist minister. Many years ago, don't hold it against me, please. (laughs) And so I wondered, well, what does it mean to be born of water? Is that talking about baptism? Okay, these are questions I asked. Does it mean, like in the babies, you know, in the water, in the womb? Does that what it means? Because, but actually, remember who is Jesus speaking to? Who is he talking to in this context? Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. What Bible did Nicodemus have? Did he have a New Testament? Okay. So put that over here. Okay, so what's he reading? What, Nick, what, what Bible is Nicodemus reading? Old Testament. Old Testament. This is Messiah. There's the miracles. This is the question. Is he the one? You know, and I know, at least to a degree, that there are scriptures that speak of Messiah coming. There are scriptures that speak of the new covenant that would be made. There are scriptures that speak. So for Nicodemus, where's his mind gonna be going? He's gonna be comparing Jesus with these scriptures. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just trying to help you here because context matters. Yeah. Who is he talking to? And so he's not going to give some New Testament understanding. He is going to relate things back to what Nicodemus already understands from where? The Old Testament. By the way, the gospel's in the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Jeremiah 31 31, the new covenant that he's going to make. Ezekiel, hint, hint. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, if you're taking notes. Ezekiel 36, beginning with verse 25. Usually it's on the thing as E-Z-E. It's all right. Some of you have it in your Bible, so you've already gotten it. Ezekiel. It's one of the major prophets. It's a bigger book. That's the only reason it's a major prophet. Just filling in the gap here. So he speaks, then I will sprinkle, what? Clean Clean water on you, and you shall be and I will clean, cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your eyes. I- all your I- verse. I will give you a. a new and I will put a. New spirit. So, okay, do you think he's talking about the new covenant here? Yeah. Specifically to Jewish people. Nicodemus knows he probably could quote these verses. So, when Jesus said this is what I'm talking about. You need to be washed in clean water, you need to have a new spirit, you need to be born of water and of spirit. He's explaining to him, this is what has to happen before you can what, enter the kingdom. So the work of God in your life begins before you believe. Do you know that while you were still sinners, Christ died? So he did the work of the cross long before you were ever born. Even before I was born, I'm not that old. (laughs) And when he came to deal with your heart individually, he didn't ask you if he could convict you. He didn't ask you if he could convince you of the reality of Christ. I've heard people say, well, God's a gentleman. He'll never do anything against my will. If your will is bound by sin, who's gonna set you free then? Mm -hmm. Lord, help us to understand. This is basics, guys. This isn't like deep theology. Because this is the platform from which you serve from. This is the platform from which you preach from. This is the platform which you share what Jesus has done in your life. When you share your story, who's in the middle of it? Jesus or you? Jesus. Well, this is what I did, this is what I did, this is what I did. <laughs> Not for me. This is what he did, this is what he did, this is what he did. Me, I was messing everything up. Me, I was screwing everything around so badly that I should be damned for all eternity but instead he came after me. Yeah. Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come for you to seek him to be saved. Yeah. Oh Lord, help us with this. We have been taught so much bad theology, it irritates me. He came looking for you. You were lost. He wasn't. Well, oh, I found Jesus, was he lost? Who was lost? You were. <laughs> I love those little cliches, they're fun. So unless you're born of water and of spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. Unless you're born from above, born of spirit, you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. <clears throat> so who came and turned on your lights? Jesus. He didn't ask you if it was okay. Thank you, Jesus. Because if he had left you and your religious nut, thinking you were all that and you were nothing, he could have left you there, but instead he descended upon you in power. And even then, you still wanted to go off drinking. And he dragged you the whole way until you surrendered to him. My goodness. What a powerful God we serve. What intense love is that. Not that we loved him, but he loved us. My life is hidden with Christ. If he hides you, who's gonna find you? If he hides you, who can go and get you out of his hand? You think you're bigger than he is? How are you gonna get out then? Oh, Lord, help us. We doing okay? I'm trying to think of where to go next. I didn't intend to (laughs) preach this direction today. Well, kind of I did. There's some things in my heart. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. Let me... 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In fact... Let's pick it up at verse 18, 1 Corinthians 1. We'll start with verse 18. So, all humanity is stuck. We inherited from Adam a nature that was rebellious against God. How many of you guys are parents? How many of you are children? All your hands should have gone up. Anyway. You didn't learn from your parents how to rebel. It was in your nature. I'm going to say that again. It was in your nature. Rebellion was in your nature. Do you have to teach kids how to be disobedient? What do you have to teach them? Say thank you. Say please. Don't beat your brother. You know, no rocks aren't good to throw at them. You know, you have to teach them. You have to teach them stuff, didn't it? Don't do that. You don't have to teach them how to be disobedient. And some, <laughs> Have you ever heard someone say, well, everybody's really good at heart? How many of you guys have ever heard people say that? Do you know how much nonsense that is? Yeah. The Bible says outside of Christ, our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Meaning who can know how deep it really goes? If the, if the light that's in you, Jesus said, is darkness, how deep does the darkness go? Ooh, everyone got quiet on that one. If the best you got spiritually is darkness, and that's your light, how deep does the darkness really go? And anyone who's really taken those kinds of questions seriously and looked within, the deeper you go, the darker it gets. Until you come to the conclusion, like Paul, there is nothing good in me. Oh, what a wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of death? You ever come to that conclusion? Oh, it's, it goes deeper than my performance. It goes deeper than just my actions. It's a heart issue. That's why in the New Covenant, it says you need a new and a new spirit. Because those who are not in Christ, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience functions as their guide. It functions in the atmosphere, the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan himself. He functions in such a way that people are bound both in their heart and mind. Their minds are darkened. They're handed over to their lust and their desires. Who can set us free? Because if you're blind and you can't see, describing it to you isn't gonna help, is it? You say, can't you see it? It's red, look, look at it, look, it's right there. No, no, no. open your, no, look, come on, look, can't you see it? But if they're blind, what can they see? You can shout it, scream it, rebuke whatever you want, that isn't gonna do it. What has to happen? Their eyes have to be opened. They have to be healed before they can see it. (laughs) Lord help us. Verse 18, for the message of the cross is what? To those who are, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So when you preach the gospel to those that are blind, can they see it? If they're perishing, (laughs) all right, here you go. The Bible says, Romans three twenty three. for all have and fallen short of. So how many, are, who, who's perishing in the world? Everyone without Christ is perishing, everyone. We inherited nature from Adam, right? When Adam was made, he was made in the image of God and the likeness of God. He was breathed in the spirit of God. He was alive unto God, in relationship with God. He sins and that goes away. He has children after that. Genesis chapter five said Adam had children in his own likeness. We carried the image of Adam afterwards. And every one of us are born into that. So it's not just a performance thing that I need forgiveness for. It's a nature thing that has to get shifted. I have to be, I'm dead. I have to be made alive. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and you have been made alive together with Christ. I need, I need that life, not just forgiveness. I need to be born again. Regeneration. See, the darkness goes so deep that it's your very nature. I went through this, and I said, Lord, I argued with him. I said, every time I look in, I, why do you love me? I look inside and I have no reason why you should. I have nothing to offer you that's sufficient. I have nothing that I can do that would be good enough. Why do you love me? And I said, Lord, I think I'm broken. I'm not like the other person around me that I see. They seem to be all together and they like walk around praising you and they're speaking in tongues and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And Lord, I'm not, I I was comparing my inside with their outside, don't do that, that's a bad idea. But that's what I was doing. And in the process, God was dealing with me. And every, I look in and there's no reason why you should love me. Lord, I'm broken. He said, okay, how deep does your brokenness go? Oh, no, that was a deep question. I don't know. It's deeper than the stuff I do. It's deeper than the stuff I love. It's deeper than, I don't know me. Is my DNA? It's just it's me. It's me. Whatever makes up me. I'm broken. And he said, that's why you need to be born again. <laughs> How deep does the brokenness go? He doesn't fix the brokenness. He gives you new life. You die with Christ and you're raised in newness of life. That's why when people say, well, I'm a Christian, I just, I'm only human. Dude, you don't understand the depth of what he did for you. So when the gospel comes, if someone's that deeply broken, the gospel comes, they're perishing. And they look at the gospel, they don't see glory. They don't see wisdom. They don't see anything but foolishness. Probably before you got saved, you said the same thing. Well, that's just, that's stupid. (laughs) The word is moronic. It's foolishness. You're an idiot for believing that, they'd say to you. Why, 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 why do you take that stuff way too seriously? But when he comes, by his power, and he turns the lights on, all of a sudden you stop viewing it as foolishness, and you can see it as the power of God to rescue you. This is important. See, I've had people say to me, well, people have natural faith, and that's what they exercise in the gospel. I said, really? I said, I've met so many abused people. They can't trust anyone. That means the gospel is only for the good people that are fixed and in good condition and all the broken ones, there's no hope for them. I said, I don't agree with you. I believe that faith is a gift from God through the preaching of the word by the work of the spirit making it alive in them. So that means salvation rests in God and not in them. That means there's hope for every single person who will come to Jesus. Oh Lord, help us. You see how these things get twisted? And if you're not careful, you can get sucked up into a theology that's just contrary to the gospel. We doing all right? Look at what time it is. All right. For it is written, verse 19. We'll keep those verses up on the screen, that's fine. 1 Corinthians, I want to get down to this part about choosing. It's an interesting phrase. Again, verse 19, it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You know why people hate preaching? To the world, preaching is foolishness. They hate it. They'd rather watch a video. I don't do a lot of, I just, I want to be careful how I say this. Years ago, I used to, I didn't mind doing the acting stuff to kind of portray the gospel. And the Lord said, no, you're not to do that. You preach. I found people hate preaching. See, you can watch a program, you can even watch the news and people are, on the screen before you, but you turn it on and off, it's no big deal. Your conscience isn't bothered. Maybe a little bit, you might shed a tear, the person who needs food in Africa, and somebody's offering to, you know, give so much a month, you can help support this person. But preaching makes it personal. Preaching isn't a fly on the wall watching something else happen to somebody else. Preaching is, he's looking at you. And this is your life. Oh, I remember when Doug was younger, he was asked if there was a little church over here in Laneddon. And I would go over and preach over there at times. And Doug was uh, preaching over there. And I was talking with Doug about it. Because they say when you're preaching, don't use you, say we. But I'm not a sinner anymore, so I don't use we. I'm a saint, I'm in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you are a sinner and you are perishing. Well, he preached something along that lines over there and I got the call from one of their leaders. Well, he was being a bit forceful. He was saying you, you, you. I'm thinking, wonderful. <laughs> because it brings conviction. It's not us. It's you. How are you functioning? In whom do you trust? Who do you say he is? Peter, preaching in front of the Sanhedrin, said, you crucified him. See, preaching isn't like watching telly where you're just a fly on the wall and godless question that's raised and the solution is godless. Do you realize that? You know how much brainwashed by it. You watch a a half hour program, they have, you know, the protagonist, the antagonist, they got these people, and they have a a false problem on the screen, and they tell you the problem, and it's always solved without God. Do you know the lie? The lie is we live in a godless world. The lie is that God is not. The lie is that we try to function both in life and without God, as though we don't need him and he doesn't exist. That is the lie. Where we exalt men's stuff, we exalt things of creation, rather than worshiping the only creator. That is the lie. And everything you watch on telly tells you what? God isn't there. You can solve all your problems without him. Over and over, and over, and over again. But preaching doesn't let you get away with that. Good preaching. For the Jews request the sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach what? Christ crucified. To the Greeks... Um, pardon me uh, Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block it means a scandal on it's a scandal and to and to to the Jews a stumbling block and to Greeks what foolishness but those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men now, here we go. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many of you wise according to the flesh, not many of you mighty, not many noble are, what? Called. But God has... See, so you're going to find the word calling and the word chosen in here a lot. But God has, what? Chosen, chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has... Chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has, what? Chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. There's a reason. So that no flesh, what? Can glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. That which we left isn't talking about ministry. It's talking about salvation. See where we think, well, God called me, I'm foolish, but God called me into ministry. That's not what that's talking about. It's saying that God called you into relationship with his son. God chose you. The Bible speaks of being chosen. Ephesians says it before the foundation of the world. Say, well, I don't believe that stuff. Then you don't believe the Bible. I don't agree with it. Then it's God that you're arguing with, not me. Ephesians chapter one, I think it's verse four or five. It it says that that we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Do you know why you're a Christian? Because you wanted to be one? (laughs) That's a trick question, Pastor. Because I did. I wanted to be saved. Yes, I agree with you. But do you know who wanted it first? He did. And he didn't choose you because you were smart or because you were all that. He didn't choose you or call you because you had everything together. If you think you were a good person when you got saved, may I go as far as to say you're probably not saved. Because Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't call the righteous to repentance, but sinners. If you were think you're doing okay, then you missed the boat somewhere. Ooh, really quiet. See, that's, I'm hitting a religious spirit there. See, the religious think I'm all that. Well, he loves me because I'm all. (laughs) While you were still in a wicked place, God demonstrated his own love for you when you were still powerless. When you were still an enemy of God, he demonstrated his love for you. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. If you catch this, do you know what it releases you from? You. Do you know God doesn't, uh, he doesn't need you. (laughs) If this offends you, I'm sorry, but he doesn't need you. He wants you. He's not dependent upon you. He wants to use you. (laughs) He invites you into the whole process of his kingdom. He doesn't need you. He's the only independent being there is. He doesn't need your worship to make him feel good about himself. Even if there was no angels there in heaven worshiping, God is absolutely content. Because he knows who he is. Is this making sense? So when you're free from you, you're free to be used whatever happens you stop waiting for everyone else to validate you and you just love them. Amen. See, we love those who love us. That's the problem. When you love those who love you, what, good, what, what better are you than the heathen? Those who don't know God. And it won't take you long to you figure out they can't love you. They just don't seem to have the ability to love me the way I need to be loved. So then what are you going to do? Well, I'm not loving them. Could you imagine Jesus saying that? He comes to his own. And his own don't receive him, it says. He comes to his own and he says, well, I'll love you if you love me. Peter goes, well, I'll go all the way to death with you. Yeah, sure. All of them forsook him, not just Peter. All of them ran. One of the guys, when Jesus is being arrested, wanted to get out of there so quick, he left his clothes behind. Ran off naked. Well, you gotta be desperate to run off naked, don't you? Yeah. (laughs) But Jesus didn't go, I love you if you love me. He loved us first. We love him because he first loved us. Not the other way around. Oh, this brings release. So he just loved me the way I am. Yeah, but he loves you so much, he's not going to leave you there. Yeah? So that's the freedom. Uh, I'm to take a couple more minutes. We started late, so... Go to go to Romans chapter three real quick. I'll start the reading with verse ten. Now this might shock some of you. When I was when I was in when I was an early believer, I went to this big church in, uh, it's called Willow Creek. It's about 10,000 people. I had only been a Christian about six months. 10,000 people. I tell you, I waited 45 minutes in a queue of cars to get into the car park to go to church. I was like, that was amazing. I was. I was like, that's amazing. I wasn't upset about it. I just like sat thinking, I wonder what the feeding of the 5,000 would look like if it happened today. That was my thought. And I get into church and I went there for about six months and I'd had enough. And this phrase they kept throwing around, seeker-friendly service. You ever heard that phrase? If you've been around church for a little while, you probably have. Seeker-friendly service. You know, we wanna make church so that someone who's an unbeliever comes in and they're, they're like engaged. They're like, it makes it easy for them to believe you know, we want, to, we want seekers to come in the door and are seeking God and they can come in and they can. Now, you don't want to get too intense with them. You don't want to preach the gospel kind of too much in their face because you just got to, easy does it. Yeah, truth little bit by little bit by little bit. That's the idea. Okay. Sound like a good idea? I thought it sounded like, I thought it sounded right at the beginning. I'm like, I don't know. I've only been a Christian six months. But I'm going, and a big auditorium, it was huge. They had these guys on the platform, they'd they'd act out things. (laughs) And the guy would get up there and do this talk. We can call it preaching, it was a talk. And he'd do it for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, not real long, real quick service, wow, amazing. Sing a couple songs. There was an atheist guy there, had been going there for years, loved it. I'm, this is the truth. I'm not exaggerating. This is the truth. I'm just like. And then I read this in the Bible. There is none righteous. No, not one. So all those religious people who think they're okay, God says they're not. Full stop. There is none who understands. Verse 11, there is none who. What? (laughs) There's none who what? See, well, I did. Who do you think turned the switch on to change your direction? Who do you think behind the scenes said, Come here, you i want to talk to you. Paul the apostle wasn't looking for Jesus, was he? He was on his way into Damascus, on his way there to persecute those that were contrary to the Jewish religion. And if he could get him to, to, to say something wrong, he'd get him in prison, or worse, killed. He stood there while Stephen was being stoned to death. The dude had a face like an angel, it says. And he stood there holding the coats of those who threw the stones and killed him. And he gave his approval and his vote for it. He was on his way to persecute Christians. And Jesus stopped him in his tracks, knocked him to the ground, blinded his eyes until he surrendered to him and said, You're Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That you love us to that capacity that you're willing to get in our face and love us unto life. Lord, help us. Some of you are gospel preachers. People are sitting in those pews or those chairs not because they're seeking God, no matter what they tell you, but because God is seeking them. And you can preach with that kind of authority. I don't preach to change your minds, I preach you to get born again. By the Spirit, that the Spirit of God will do something in you and make you alive. Because outside of that, you're just going to be dumbfounded. You'll look and listen, huh, ah, that's nice. Pastor, nice service. And you would be none the wiser. No one seeks God, they have all turned aside, they have together become unprofitable. There is none who does. Yeah. Oh, everybody's good at heart. I don't know. God seems to have a different opinion on that one. Um, can I can I turn the knife a little bit? I've been putting it in. I turn a little bit. Not my children. They're good little angels. <laughs> who are you kidding? Come on now, no one better say something bad about my child there. Like, uh, what are you talking about? I was at a meeting. I was at a meeting in, in Germany, and the one guy they have these big. They call them Holy Spirit nights. Fifteen hundred youth come to these things. Oh, that's incredible. Guy was saying that this one guy brought most of the people in his school, like a hundred kids out of his school, to come. at, like a majority of them put their trust in Christ. I thought, that's amazing. And they were talking about church planting and this. And I, made, I, I asked a question. It was a public one. I had to kind of stand up and kind of put my neck out there. <laughs> and I said, can you tell me something? I, I agree with getting your children involved. I have no problem with that. I love the fact that young people are here and you can get them involved, even praying for people. Fine, I, I don't know it's you. I said, but do you make a delineation between those that are born again and those that aren't? Went quiet. They said, uh, can you repeat the question? We don't understand it. These are leaders now. I said, yeah. I said, I'm all for, I agree with working with youth. I want them involved, absolutely. I said, but do you make a delineation between those that are regenerated, those that are born again, and those that aren't? And then quiet again. And the guy who did like these big Holy Spirit night things, he goes, who knows when someone's born again? And he went on to something else. And I was like, wait a minute now. Is there evidence of being made alive in Christ? Yes. It's the transformation life. And then he said, Well, we had some 12 year old kid who was there, and they had a big name speaker, but it wasn't him. It was the 12 year old kid went over to this guy in a wheelchair, prayed for him. The guy got up out of the wheelchair, he was healed. And the whole crowd I was with there said, Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, fabulous. <coughs> I'm all for it fantastic praise God but do you know the Holy Spirit can use somebody who isn't regenerated yeah. Jesus said there'll be many who come to me in that day and say did we not do these things in your name we prophesied there were miracles demons cast out and he says depart from me I never knew you you can do the miraculous you can see it happen in your life it can happen to you but without the work of the Spirit to where your heart is changed, they perish. Do you think those people will be surprised when they face Jesus that day? They're thinking, dude, we did this stuff in your name. Man, that's cool. I'm like, I'm getting into this, man. We're gonna see Jesus. Jesus, I don't know you. Whoa, dude, come on now. You know, I've seen people like on a Friday night, Saturday night in town, they queue up for the clubs. You, you Can you imagine yourself standing there? Hopefully not last Friday. You're standing in the queue and waiting to get in and all of a sudden up the queue comes this whisper, it's full, it's full, it's full. Oh, I can't get in, it's full, it's full. And you're standing, oh, I've been waiting on here an hour, man, to get in this place. You're thinking, should I wait here longer and wait for some people to come out? And you lean down and you see the bouncer. You go, ah, oh, I know the bouncer. What do you do? Be honest now. Yeah, you get out of the queue. You go down. Hey, man, how you doing? You know, flip, flip, you know, all this thing. He's saying, hey, I know you. That's not the question. He says, yeah, but I don't know you. That's harsh. Isn't it? What's worse? Jesus, man, I know you. I don't know you. It's not so much you know him, but you're known by God. That's what Galatians says. It's real, isn't it? So we preach for the purpose of transformation. Not for... Great. I'm glad. Pray for the sick. Oh, my. But the witness of that should say to you, you need to get your heart right. And only Jesus. You need to surrender Him. He's Lord. He's the only one that can save you. And if you're perishing and it doesn't bother you, oh, I fear for you. Because you can go to hell in a handbasket. You can go terminal velocity with a happy face. No one seeks God, not one. No one's good, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. I find it interesting, not only does Paul pick this up, but he's he's writing out of the Psalms. One of the indicators of a heart transformation is the mouth changes. Cursing and bitterness comes out of a heart that's filled with cursing and bitterness. Out of the overflow of the the heart speaks. Actually, the other way around, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, I used to cuss something terrible. I won't give you an illustration. I won't give you a demonstration either. I used to cuss something terrible. I used to love dirty jokes and all those nasty things. One of the first things that changed when I came to faith is that cursing stopped. It just went because my heart was changed. See, I go, I remember working over at Tesco's and, and they go into the into the lunch into the, the, the canteen. Everyone's sitting around, everyone's telling jokes and those double meaning ones, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Those words that they use that have two meanings, usually something, looking for kids, or usually something sexual is involved in it. And I just sit there and I just pretend I don't have a clue as to what they're talking about. I can choose. I don't have to engage in it. I'm not stupid. They think I'm stupid because I'm Christian. I used to be just like them. But see, holiness and innocence are different. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, when, when, when your heart changes, I don't engage in those because I don't love that anymore. I don't want to. I don't have to. But if you're still full of cursing and bitterness... You need a new heart. If you can use the C word for someone, you need to repent. And I know in our culture now, I've, I was in a church, I took my little kids to this church. I won't tell you where it is. I don't want to. I, I took them in there and the pastor gets up and he says, you know, all the women, they can be really, and he uses the B word. in the pulpit, dude. I was in shock. There was like hundreds of people there. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, I did. I was like, "Mm, get my hands over my kids' ears, man. And swearing in the pulpit. No, listen, I'm all for realism, but I don't have to speak like that to convey the truth of an issue I don't, have to, I don't have to speak that way. Kids can understand what I'm saying. Can you understand what I'm saying? Do I have to cuss to get you to understand? Oh, good. No, that's why you go. No, let on. No, let on. No let, don't let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Yeah. It's not necessary. Unless you're ignorant. And then you shouldn't even know the words anyway. But your mouth changes railing at people shouting and screaming cutting them down <laughs> that's what being born again its fruit that comes you make the tree good and what happens the fruit's good i need to finish it's already in like quarter past i think this is what jesus came to change he came to change your heart so that the overflow of your heart would be different. He called you and chose you. <laughs> I'll, I'll close with this one. I'll kind of leave you with food for thought. How many of you guys have ever played sports in school? Do you ever have to pick teams? Okay So when you pick teams? Do you pick everyone to be on your team? No. Oh. That word chosen means to be called out. Not as a whole, but individually. Mm -hmm. So when you pick people to be on your team, and you pick the ones that you choose, You probably did it because you wanted the fastest or the strongest, but God doesn't do it that way. He does it out of his own heart and nature of choosing. Do you think he chooses everyone for his team? Some would say absolutely. Does that mean then he fails to get them home? If he fails to get them home, you should be really nervous. Mm -hmm. Or if he keeps what he saves, then rest in him. Mm -hmm. See, I'm tugging at lots of kind of strings here. Because we are very, there are so many that are so confused Mm -hmm. about the simplicity of the gospel. Mm -hmm. They say they know it. All I'm talking about today is the process of God's saving work. This should be dug down deep into your being so that you're free to be able to offer it to others. And not living a life of striving and fear. Hoping I might get there. Paul says I'm persuaded neither death nor life or any created thing can separate me from the love of God that's in Christ. I wonder where he got that kind of confidence. Let's pray. Father, we bow in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for the power of the gospel. Lord, to many it's offensive, it's foolishness. I pray, Lord, that in Jesus' name, you'd open eyes and hearts, that you'll help these, your word to go down deep into their very being, to bear good fruit. Lord, that their ears in Jesus' name will hear, and though those that are able with your power to respond. Lord, I just thank you today that my salvation is hidden in Christ, that you are the strength of my salvation. You are my hope. You are my God. You are my light. You are my strength. You are the God in whom I trust. Without you, I'm nothing. Lord, come and be our all in all. And set us free. For Jesus' sake. Amen.